welcome back to the Brockless podcast. As usual, I'm joined with Nathan, and this week we have the small matter of beating the league leaders to talk about Nathan after a, a break, really, that was, as I said in the last podcast, my fault for forgetting my laptop on holiday. It's been a quick turnaround, really, from when we recorded and obviously this episode, but I mean, it's not exactly a chore when you've got a game like yesterday to talk about. But before we jump into all that, um, I mean, I spent all day with you yesterday, so it seems a bit silly for me to say, how are you doing? Because I know how you are. But before we jump into the football, obviously we've covered it in the previous weeks. Rudd's back in action. Today, it's Sunday, the day of recording. And actually quite the quite the win for you this morning, wasn't it? Yeah, it's been a top weekend. Obviously, we'll get into uh, yesterday a little bit later on. But yeah, the Rudd's this morning, back in action for the first time in nearly a month um, because of inclement weather. Uh, battering the country and particular the Privy's pitch in Berwick Hills. But yeah, back in action today with a, a quarter final of the Challenge Cup against Conexis and the Ruds came out on top once again. Uh, the winning run since formation continues. Uh, 1-3-2 today into the semi-finals of the Challenge Cup. Man of the match, Callum Hales, fantastic at the back, absolute rock. And, uh, yeah, we go sailing through at the semi-finals in March and uh, we'll get a sneak preview of our opponents for that semi-final next week with uh, the Fox in away in the league next week. Sounds like a big game. I mean, it is the man of the match uh, that you've just said. I can't even remember the name that you've just said. Callum, someone. Is he the person keeping you out of the team, Nathan? Uh, he's not, no. Um, but he did a really good job today in the absence of pretty much every centre-half that we've got um, who were all bottling it by claiming injuries and, and holidays. Is there a bit um, of injury list shaping up like Middlesbrough's at the moment? Oh, major injury list, all in one position though, which is um, not a, ideal. A, a little bit a little bit damaging. Um, but look, like Middlesbrough, we, uh, we battle through it and we just keep winning. Yeah, well, absolutely. I think that takes us quite nicely on to yesterday. Of course, we, we spoke about it, as I said, really recently about the type of game that it was going to be, the type of challenge that Leicester, as a team, have basically shown that they are to everyone this season in the Championship. A quite ridiculous squad. I think it's probably the best to go right back to when we were sat in O'Connell's and the two teams come out. And I think you actually pulled up the Leicester team and just sort of sarcastically laughed as if to say, that should not be playing in the championship. And we were obviously unchanged, but yeah, I mean, that Leicester team. Yeah, it's an embarrassment of riches really, isn't it? Um, I think really what I what I looked at mostly was, was the bench for, for Leicester, really. Um, <laughs> it was quite outrageous. Connor Cody, Harry Sutar, who cost them 15 million quid 11 months ago. Um, Jamie Vardy, obviously ridiculous to have a player like that in the Championship, although he's getting on a bit now. Dakar, who they paid 30 million quid for a few years ago. Um, and Tom Cannon, who, of course, was linked with Borough Throat, uh, the summer window, or the latter part of it anyway. And... Yeah, when it looked like Borough and Maeve 
been edging edging ahead in the race for him in come Leicester and pretty much double our bid and yeah. just, just take him. And I, I don't think he's played a game for them as of yet because of injury. But yeah, three centre-forwards on the bench there and I, I suppose every single one of them would probably get in the Borough side. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, obviously we, we were looking at the side yesterday and it's, it's one where I think... You asked me on the last podcast if if Leicester would have been a free hit, and I replied, "No way." Um, I don't think that any team that we come up against in this in this division is a free hit. Um, despite looking at the squad and seeing individual names that you'd associate with the Premier League, I think that it, it should have been said a lot in the build up uh, by Borough fans that this Leicester side are here by no fluke. Really, they were incredible. Yeah. They were they were poor over a, a thirty-eight game season last season, uh, and they're not just here by accident. It's because they were they were poor over over a full season. So, look, it's up to them to uh, prove that they are Premier League quality. And um, yeah, we we obviously were up against them yesterday and yes it was always going to be a, a massive test as the game happened it proved to be a very difficult test but we uh we saw a very different Middlesbrough to what we were used to under under Carrick but it's all about adaptability playing against sides that have said quality and uh we adapted really well to uh to sort of change up the way that we played, combat Leicester and get at them in ways that we probably wouldn't usually get outside in our usual manner. Yeah, yesterday it was it was always gonna like we mentioned in the last podcast again. If you if you watch Leicester prior or even yesterday, you would have known that yes, they do take risks um, around their box or with their goalkeeper with the defenders, but they also have players of an ability where you sort of just expect them to be able to play that way and they can they, they showed that yesterday um there wasn't too many times where they tried to play out and got caught high up the pitch and put themselves into a load of bother actually a lot of the time they were beating our press and we did incredibly well to basically sit in and, and combat that even when they did and yeah, it was, as you say, going to be a case of adapting and it was a real test of, not, I was going to say Carrick's credentials there, not his credentials. We know that he's a great manager, but a, a real sort of tactical battle, if you want, because if he, he could well have been naive and thought, well, you know, yeah, Leicester are a really good side, but we've been in great form recently. We've sort of played against a lot of teams where we've taken the game to them. Michael Carrick could well have thought, we're just going to take the game to Leicester. But I think with his, his experience and his tactical know-how, he, he knew better than that. He knew that if we'd have gone and try and basically assert ourselves onto them, that they have the players to bop it round us and punish us, really. And thankfully, they weren't able to do that. And just going into the first half, I think the clearest sign of an obvious tactical tweak was... Dale Fry pretty much man marking Kalechi Ian Acho on the edge of Leicester's box at one stage in the first half. And I think that pretty much summarised exactly what we did so well yesterday and what ultimately 
kept us in a position all the way up until Sam Greenwood gets the opportunity to whip one in the top corner. But yeah, on the on the first half as a whole, I was delighted with the way we played. Um, it wasn't a case of, you know, we had an awful lot of chances, but actually, despite them having an awful lot of possession, we probably created the better of the openings. Um, you think of the the set piece, obviously, just going into half time where Dale Fry, for the life of me, I can't get my head around the fact that the Leicester keeper actually saves it from our seats, especially in the West. It looked in all the way. Um, but yeah, it was it was so pleasing because I think I was saying to you yesterday, we've had a couple of games over the years at the Riverside, especially probably, you know, the most important one of those being Coventry that obviously didn't go to plan, but we've had a few of them where over the last few years, if we've been on a good run and we've come up against a form side or sort of the league leaders or something like that. And at the Riverside, there's always a sort of almost a little bit of a confidence. The crowd was a little bit bigger um, the atmosphere was fantastic and I think I mentioned to you um, yesterday the game under Chris Wilder where we beat Nottingham Forest and they were on a ridiculous run at the time under under Steve Cooper and there's a couple of other examples that I can think of. We pushed Burnley all the way last season, albeit didn't manage to get a result out of that. But one of those occasions at the Riverside again where it just felt if we can stay in the game for long enough and we did do that exceptionally well, then there's no reason why we can't beat them. And as I say, quite ironically, you went in at half-time and you thought, well, actually, on the balance of things, I don't think any Leicester fans could really say it would have been undeserved had we have gone in 1-0. Or, or really, if when you, when you look at some of the chances, and obviously we can go into individual chances, it, it could have been maybe one or two. Leicester obviously had the great chance to invest a guard in it phenomenal save from Dieng but yeah I thought we, we were we did ever so well to stay in the game whilst also making them know that they couldn't allow us too much of a presence in the game because we we could potentially punish them really yeah look the uh the first half obviously the the two big chances come from both sides on set pieces really on corners uh Vestergaard's header as you mentioned Chris where Dieng makes a good save and tips it around the corner. Um, and obviously Fry's header as well for us. Um, I think in open play in the first half, we probably had the best chance, Crux's effort, um, where it's worked out to that right side. Jones cuts it back and Crux, I think, probably could have took it first time, um, yeah. but ends up taking a couple of touches and gets a shot away down at the near post that then tees up the corner for Fry. But... Yeah, it it felt like, as you mentioned, uh, uh, a big occasion in the way that we, we've we all sort of... I don't want to big Leicester up too much, but pretty much every side in the division that goes up against them this season is going to be the underdog. Um, That is nothing to do with them being any sort of like big fish in terms of a big club or anything because they're, they're really not. It's just they've got a really good side, having been in the Premier League and retained all those players. Um, and it felt like that the crowd could just get behind uh, Borough and hopefully, as the game drew on, we'd we'd get that chance and, and, and it had come to fruition that we'd win the game and it did happen. 
as well. But I think going on into the second half, we were good defensively, but at times Leicester's best chances in the game and I say in the game, but mainly in that second half were sort of all by our own undoing, really. Yeah. Um, yeah. They were most dangerous when we had the ball in our fa- in our final third. Um, I think we were just trying to... Well, what we always do, it, it's our principles to, to play out from the back and build through the thirds. But against a side with Leicester's quality that have sort of had experience in playing against sides like Man City and Brighton in the Premier League that do that to an even bigger effect than we do, that they'll be able to spot passes uh, that look open for for Borough uh, and just be able to pounce on them. And there was a couple of times um, I thought it was interesting uh, that Borough had sort of adapted the way that Dieng was going to be playing out in terms of Hayden Hackney wasn't just coming central and picking up the ball uh, from Dieng uh, just ahead of him. Instead, he was pulling wide left and at times that left a big hole in the middle of the pitch for when the ball did get shifted out left to Hackney. And he didn't have one of his better games yesterday. He just sort of hooked the ball into the middle of the pitch where no one was because that's where he should probably be usually because that's central midfielder. Um, But yeah, there was a couple of chances that we did give away, um, particularly the one that Ian Acho had that Dieng saved that actually came from the ball being played back from D- uh, back to Dieng and him clearing the ball away to, to well, to no one. And um, Leicester in probably three touches had a shot on our goal that, again, it was really I good save. Rogers, doesn't he? And Rogers just doesn't, I don't know if he doesn't anticipate or if he doesn't quite get enough on the pass, but yeah. It was in between, it was sort of in between Rogers and Hackney, yeah. Um, and as I say, within three touches, Leicester have that shot. Dieng makes a really good save. Um, and then again, Borough trying to play out and uh, sorry, not trying to play out in this instance. A lot of fans have talked about Vandenberg having a fantastic game. I'd agree, but the one time in the second half that he was beaten was uh, James Justin down that left-hand side. I don't know how, for the life of me, he's kept it in, in fairness. Um, gets cut back. Pereira playing in a weird advanced eight role for a right-back. Then slides it through to Ian Acho, and I thought, oh, this one's going to be it. This is the chance. Me and you had spoken at half-time and said, it's going to be a game where both sides are going to have chances, but the likelihood of things in a sort of pessimistic Borough perspective is that they're just going to have the quality to finish that one chance. And with Ian Acho going through one-on-one, although the angle's tight, you'd expect him to hit the target. And luckily for us, he hits that near post. It goes back into Dieng's arms. And I don't know, at that point, I just sort of felt this could, could be our day. Could we nick something late on in the game? And of course, we do just that. It comes 
from a, a funny sort of situation, as everyone knows, with Borough looking to play on uh, after Greenwood's chopped down by Chowdhury, who was chewing his ear off all second half particularly. And, yeah, I, I thought that they were lucky that the referee had blown up when he did because Borough had a real chance to get across the six-yard box with Engel coming in and crossing that ball. But yeah, he brought it back and then, uh, yeah, it was just a, a magic, magic moment uh, from from Sam Greenwood, who obviously has one chance in the first half from a free kick that at the time I thought was a little bit too close for his liking. Um, when we first signed him, I had a scroll through his Instagram and seen that he'd scored a load of free kicks for... Leeds under 23s in PL2 and uh, England youth sides. And yeah, look, he's had a few efforts that have been a bit weird, but when he was sort of putting this ball down, I, I just thought it looks like better range uh, for him, this free kick did. And I thought if he can get it up and over, it's in because Hermanson had gave him so much room down uh, in that corner, I didn't quite expect it to go right in the top baggage, but uh, yeah, what a free kick! Yeah, it's it was interesting as you say because he had that one probably ten minutes earlier, maybe something like that, and it, it was almost too close for his range, I suppose. And you almost from that distance, you kind of sometimes think instead of trying to get it up and down, you might be better off just smashing it. And Sam Sam Greenwood's free kick technique is not to do that; it's to pretty much whip it into a postage stamp of in the top corner, as you say. And, yeah, I mean, f- from our... <laughs> quite funnily, funnily enough, obviously, people listening, watching won't know this, but we uh, met up yesterday. It's not a sort of usual thing. Obviously, we sit close to each other. We'll speak at half-time and whatnot. But given that... Um, Again, I'll I'll mention the the olive skin from from Tenerife, Nathan. <laughs> no, of course I'm joking. Um, I did mention that I was on holiday not so long ago with um, my mum and dad. They were still away, so as the free kick gets lined up, I thought, do you know what? I'm gonna I, I would never do this. It goes against everything that I would ever do at a football match. I thought I'm gonna whip my phone out and I'm gonna record it just in case because if it does go in. I can send it to me dad and he'll be absolutely buzzing with that. I can feel like he's actually seen the goal from his seat. So anyway, I got the phone out and my initial reaction was, that looked, I don't know what the yardage was, but it, it looked 30 yards out or sort of latter 20s. And I thought, yeah, it's probably going to be better off for him to get it up and down. But it's still going to take some effort from where it was. Well, of course, Sam Greenwood, the one moment where I'm recording, steps up and delivers probably the best goal I've ever seen at the Riverside. I think I, I think it, it could well be up there, honestly. There hasn't been that many free kicks in general over the years at the Riverside. I can only think of really Zamama, I think I thought. The last one I'd actually seen. Grant Ledbetter in the cup, maybe, whilst we're in the Premier League. But it flies into the top corner, uh, top corner, top corner. It was Maro and Zamama about fifteen years ago or something like that, and I was in utter disbelief. To be honest, I, 
my immediate thought was I need to send this to my dad, but I also need to tweet it. And then I realised actually some of the noises that were leaving my mouth out of just sheer, like, absolute sort of pandemonium and surprise that it actually flew in the top corner. I don't think I would have ever lived it down, to be honest. So, yeah, that hasn't been tweeted and it won't be. Um, but, yeah, Nathan, I mean, what, what more can be said than the fact it is just an absolutely phenomenal free kick and it comes from a player who, at the moment, is just in fine goal-scoring form. Yeah, just pay the money for a pay it up. 1.5 million, is that not the best deal that Middlesbrough as a club have ever put together? No, look, I, when we signed him, I was, I was saying this, I, I can't even remember who I was saying it to, but I was saying I'm I'm not overly infused by the signing just because I thought, look, we're signing a player on loan from a side that are in our division who... We will at, at the start of the season hopefully be competing with because obviously last season our expectations are then to hopefully go one better and be up at the top of the league. And look, I, I thought we're just signing players that are, he, he's not really going to improve us too much in terms of he'd probably just be another option going forward. And yeah, I, I, I'm happy to admit that I'm I'm certainly wrong in in my um in my judgment at first upon hearing that we've got that option to buy him for an absolute steal of a price as well. By the way, it's it's unbelievable to get a player of his ability with his potential sell on in years to come because he's only 21. Um. It's 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 truly phenomenal business if we can get it done. Um, the thing yeah. is, well, what I, I'm not. It, it sounds me daft saying this, and I'm definitely not sort of underselling the the deal and how good of a player Sam Greenwood is. But it's not even so much that because of the way that Sam Greenwood's been playing. If if he'd have just been sort of having having little cameos off the bench and doing okay and maybe scored a few goals, but, you know, not really starting games and having the impact he has been. For a player of his age at 1.5 million, you'd still say that that is a very good deal. Who's English and has represented England at numerous age groups. And now the fact that he's having these impacts in games and look, this might sort of, this might be a little bit of a bold opinion from me, but I'm I'm happy to take the stick on the chin. I, I don't watch Sam Greenwood week in, week out and sort of think, wow, what a player we have on our hands. He, he doesn't sort of affect the game in the way that I, I seen last night, for example, people immediately, because he's young and coming on loan, people compared him to Aaron Ramsey. I watched Aaron Ramsey in games last season and thought, you can see the quality. He'd beat three or four players. And they are slightly different players. They are. I think Sam Greenwood's more of a, a goal scorer, more of a finisher in that instance than what Ramsey is. But in terms of a more of a creator and someone that... When we speak of the eye test, you watch, you watch Ramsey at times last season and you thought he's dragged us out of these situations and just no one else in our forward line could basically do what he did. 
But then with Sam Greenwood, he keeps on popping. He's he, he delivering moments at the moment for me. He's, he, don't get me wrong, he's not performing badly at all, but he works incredibly hard. He, he's obviously got quality, but he's delivering moments, and that's what's standing out at the moment. And yeah, I mean, yesterday, Plymouth, Sunderland, he's, he, he's doing it on a consistent basis now. And as you say, 1.5 million, even if he'd had a few cameos and got a few goals and hadn't been starting games, you'd say, absolutely. But my God, if we can get that done in January, for his age and his potential sell-on, if he continues anything like he is at the moment, then not that we should sell him if he's just available to be made uh, profit with. But yeah, you, you kind of think of it as a business decision from the club and think whoever's negotiated that deal on Middlesbrough's behalf, a massive well done. And whoever's done it on Leeds' behalf, I think you might be getting the sack, mate, because that just doesn't seem enough for a player that can do and produce moments like he did yesterday. Yeah, I think, um, as you mentioned, Ramsey and, and, and Greenwood are, are both very different players, but similar age, um, both impress are impressing on loan in terms of Greenwood. And... You look at the fee Ramsey's just gone for to Burnley, over 10 million quid. And we've got the option to get Greenwood for one and a half million. And you just think that that shouldn't be shouldn't be an option to be able to get a player for that cheap, uh, especially in this sort of day and age for transfer fees. But look, I, I hope it's a, a certainty that Borough do have that option to... Like it, it can't be pulled away by elites, yeah. um, because if so, they've had an absolute stinker, and it makes it a little bit funnier. But yeah, look, he, he he's pulled a free kick right out the top draw there. Um, we were we were talking about the last time we've seen a Borough player score a free kick, um, and we mentioned a Sombalonga in COVID against Cardiff. Uh, there was one in pre-season, not this season, last season. Uh, it was Paddy McNair away at Rotherham. Oh, uh, I, can't, I can't even remember that, Nathan. Yeah, there was Paddy McNair against Rotherham. Um, but I was just thinking, I don't think I've seen many free kicks live for Borough. I was lucky to be there for Rock and Backs against Man City. I was there for that one. I was there for Zamama. I was in the Huddersfield away end when Leipzig launched one in with the stratosphere. You, you're missing off. You're missing off the best free kick in recent history. Tamo Kink. Yeah, yeah. Tamo Kink against Burnley. Yeah, I was there for that one, and obviously, yeah, yesterday. And I don't think any of those that I've just named were as top baggage as. Uh, <laughs> As yesterday's from Greenwood. Um, yeah, I think Tom O'Kinks was sort of just pure power as opposed to Greenwood, who was pretty much just whipped it into that uh, top corner. Whereas Tom O'Kinks could have ended up in, I don't even know, some car park anywhere in the town, really. But it just so happened to hit the back of the net. Yeah, but I, I felt yesterday during the game, even before Greenwood's free kick, you could sort of hear the crowd getting behind the team. Um, they knew that it was always going to be sort of backs against the walls at times. 
Um, and at one point you had the South Stand and the North Stand both singing in unison, getting behind the boys. And I just thought, yeah, everyone's rolling the sleeves up here and we are going to get something. I mean, I even felt it last week after Plymouth, immediately after Plymouth, looking at this week and seeing, oh, we've got Leicester coming up. I just thought, yeah, we are going to beat them. Uh, and I don't know why that was, really, because in the last year, really, it's been so sort of damaging to see Burnley come at the Riverside with a big following, win, Coventry celebrate even on the final day, getting the playoffs. And I thought, oh, it's fine. We'll we'll do all right against them in a few weeks' time. And obviously the, the second leg happened. But, yeah, to see another bigger way of following come at the Riverside that... Like even before the game, me and you were walking at the ground and they were singing straight back up, straight back up Leicester City. And they may well do, but it's nice. In, in fairness, I, d- I do think they will go straight back up. Yeah. And, but really, so they should. Yeah. That's- so the, yeah, I completely agree with you. And yeah, they, they may well do. But I hope they all enjoyed the train home yesterday after seeing that free kick fly in the top corner. Um. Yeah. And yeah, if if they think that like the the championships against them in the way that are oh, they're such a massive club that it's everyone's big doubt, then that's fine. But I just hope that they go to most sides and most sides turn them over away from home now. Yeah, yeah, it would be quite funny seeing the uh, the giant of the division um getting beaten by little underdogs like Middlesbrough. Um. But yeah, it, it brings me on to quite nicely uh, something that I wanted to bring up. The fact that you mentioned the atmosphere and the fact that we spoke about Sam Greenwood. And it's just genuinely, as a fan of the club, we've spoken about it a lot during the, the run which turned the season round. And listen, we're not by any means sort of, we haven't hit that run of form where you start looking up the table and thinking, could we challenge for automatic promotion? We're still in a very much still in the pack. And that result yesterday was so important because we could have lost quite a lot of ground, really. A lot of the teams around us won. And it, it's proved to be an important result because of that. But just in terms of the job that Michael Carrick has done, you look at the you look at the attendance yesterday, 30,000 in the stadium. You look at the the bench and the players that have impacted this turnaround of the season, they're all our players. It's not like last season where you we were fantastic, yes, but we also knew that five of our best players were going to leave as soon as the, the season finished. Plus Tuba, who, yeah, he was our player, but everyone knew he was going to go. You look at yesterday, yeah, OK, Greenwood isn't our player officially yet, but that could well happen. But then you look at performances like Seni Dieng. Everyone was really, really nervous about the signing of Seni Dieng. I don't think I saw one positive. Okay, yes, there were some people saying I'll reserve judgment, but QPR fans slated. Middlesbrough fans were a bit like, oh, I'm not sure about this one. He's turned out to be arguably a better goalkeeper so far for Middlesbrough than what Zach Steffen was. Plays in a way that Michael Carrick loves. Rav Vandenberg. The, the age and his performances 
you look at the two of them and you just think that isn't right because he performs with such a maturity. A central defender who is coming into a very, very competitive league, not playing in his proper position, and then he goes and performs like he does yesterday. Then you look at the likes of Hayden Hackney. Yes, okay, he's probably our prized asset at the moment, but he's ours. It's not someone else's prized asset. He's our prized asset. And if he goes, we'll reap the rewards financially. And then even people like Josh Coburn, he's come under criticism. Yesterday, I thought he was great again, just holding up the ball, being effective, allowing the team to relieve a little bit of pressure and get themselves up the pitch. And it's it goes under the radar. And just in general, as a whole, the atmosphere, the recruitment, the turnaround in results, and obviously they're the most important thing. But everything just feels... I don't know, yesterday, if I'm just getting ahead of myself or what, maybe it's because we're such underdogs. I have done, I don't know, Nathan. Um, but it just feels like, finally, we, we have the makings of a real identity that we've lacked over the last probably decade. Obviously, we had the Wilder era. It was going so well. That went out the window. Obviously, the other standout, Ito Kranko, we had an identity and done ever so well there again. But then we've bounced around from old managers, bringing in players on ridiculous wages. They didn't really want to be here. We've seen the high-profile signings, the John Obi Mikels, which, yeah, were great for a few games, but, I mean, it didn't really make any sense in terms of a long-term vision on succeeding as a club. But as I say, you look at the recruitment, you look at the manager we have, and it just feels like it's all starting to knit together. And even if we don't do it this season, it would be incredibly... No, I'm not saying go all the way and get promoted. I'm not that ahead of myself. But even if we miss out in the playoffs or even if we don't get in the playoffs I just feel like we'll be in such a better position in the future because of the way we act as a club now you're on typical Borough Chris no I'm not I'm not at <laughs> all but look at the team yesterday Nathan I'm not going to get scarred by lone players yeah yeah unless Leeds do have a horrible option to uh... well it may well but still <laughs> Dory, it's not like half the team's going to go at the end of the season. At least there's that in it. Yeah, exactly. Um, and obviously, in the week, we'd seen, just going through a few of the players, we'd seen that interview by Zach Steffen saying he would have loved to have come back, but he needed surgery. And had we gone up, he probably would have come back. And honestly, I think had we not have signed Dieng and things hadn't worked out the way that they have so far where Dieng's performed as well as he has, we'd have probably been a little bit more gutted seeing that interview, really. Um, but Dieng, since he's come in, absolutely tremendous. Worldly save yesterday from Vestergaard. Uh, top, top save. Um, at times yesterday, OK, playing out from the back against a, a really good side. Yeah, it can be a struggle. But on the whole, he's top at that. Yeah, we've had an we've had an absolute steal there from QPR. Um, as you mentioned, Vandenberg, a young player playing out of position, playing against a really quick winger when obviously Vandenberg's strength is not his pace. Thought he did pretty well yesterday. 
um, against a, a very decent winger in Mavididi and also Dewsbury Hall down that side as well. Difficult to manage the pair of them. Um, obviously, you've got players in that side now. Engel yesterday, again, didn't stand out in a in a bad sense. Didn't stand out really in a in a good sense either. But that's exactly what you want from some of your players in in those positions that don't necessarily win you or or lose your game. Um, he, he was just steady yesterday, and it's just good to have players like Engel now after that Sheffield Wednesday game, just to go on a very, very consistent run of doing well in the side. Jones yesterday thought he was, in an attacking sense, a bit lacking, but defensively, fantastic, fantastic. Getting in there and doubling up with Vandenberg, um, really, really good in that sense. And Corburn, again, a lot of people yesterday, it's boring now, uh, when team news comes out and you see Josh Coburn starting, just the same people yap yap yapping away about Coburn starting games. And last week he scored twice and was rewarded again with a start yesterday. And he occupied two centre halves that uh, that probably get into a few bottom half uh, Premier League sides the pair of them really um and he occupied them really well in that first half especially um yeah I, I thought that Carrick as well yesterday I'm not going to talk too much about the the overall sort of way that we played but his subs were good Crooks was on a booking and was t- uh, tiring. You could see that. Brought Rogers on, ejected a little bit of energy in there. And getting Coburn off when he did for Latte Lath to just harry the centre-halves and Winks in defensive midfield a little bit more. Thought the, the changes were, were really good. And obviously Dyke Steele only came on in stoppage time, but he can do he can do a good job down that right-hand side. So, yeah, look. Really pleasing, as you say, we're not relying on loan players anymore, which is truly, truly fantastic because you don't have to then rebuild the side every season. Um, We mentioned months ago when we'd done our sort of transfer window review that pretty much all of our transfer business was done on permanent deals. And... Look, a lot of those players are starting to come good now, which is really, really important. It's taken a few months, but yeah, a lot of players are starting to have an impact now. And that is really, really good, especially when you see the run that we've got coming up after the international break in terms of games that are just Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday for a full month. I I think last week when I reeled off all the fixtures, I completely just missed that we've got Preston on a Tuesday night as well. Yeah. And I just didn't even know that that was a game until they said that that was the next game for the Riverside yesterday. Did not have a clue that we were playing them then. Um, yeah. But yeah, again, didn't didn't have a clue that that was a game. And look, Preston won again 
the other day, fifth in the league. So another side above us in the table that we've got to come uh, got to come in the next month. Look, I'm really excited uh, for this run through December. But we've got uh, two more games in November with uh, Bristol City and Preston. Yeah, yeah, we have. And as you say, I think we said it in the last podcast as well. I think given after a, a point at Plymouth and obviously a huge win yesterday, it sets us up nicely that now, hopefully, and fingers crossed, it, it doesn't sound too promising, we might be able to get even one of the injured list back. I hopefully. mean, hopefully. That, it didn't that, sound promising, did it? Yeah, it, it didn't sound great, did it at all? But even one of those would would be very important, just in terms of numbers, really, for the amount of games coming up. But yeah, as you say, obviously we we have Bristol first game back after the international break. I mean, historically, it's just a horrendous place for Middlesbrough to go. Just on Bristol City quickly, Nathan. Before we wrap up, I mean, I think you've just pulled up the record over the last few years and just sort of put your head in your hands and reminisced on some of those utterly horrendous days at Ashton Gate. Oh yeah, it's it's a truly, truly horrendous place to go, really. Um historically, um the one that does stand out is obviously that Aidan Flint flicked header that went to Freeman, I think it was, uh in the ninety-fourth minute at Ashton Gate in our promotion season. Yeah. yeah, that that was a real, real painful one. That one. Um, I've been to Ashton Gate once myself. Uh, we got beat that day as well. Um, on that day, Joe Bryan scored. Uh, and who else was it? I can't remember, but I can't remember his name either. His first name, but Magnuson scored an own goal. We got B two one. It was on Sky five thirty in December. But look, it's it's going to be a difficult game in terms of historically. Uh, we don't have the best record there, and it is their new manager's first home game as well in charge of Bristol City. Liam Manning, of course, most no uh most notable for his time with MK Dons a few years ago, uh, in which they reached the League One playoffs. The following season, he was also in charge, uh, despite a lot of championship interest in him. And I don't necessarily know the ins and outs, but MK Dons struggled massively in League One last season. I mean, of course, they lost players like Scott Twine, which will have been a big miss for them. But yeah, they got relegated last year. Manning left halfway through the season, went to Oxford, kept them up and sort of steadied the ship. And then they spent a, a fair whack this summer in terms of building a squad capable of having a go at promotion in what seems like a very open league one this season. And yeah, they've been playing really well. We're Oxford and all of a sudden Bristol City the vacancy opens up and they ask for permission to speak to Manning and he goes. So, yeah, um, it's, it's a big opportunity for him at a higher level, the highest level he's worked at. Uh, I don't necessarily know what influence he'll have been able to have on the side ahead of this weekend in which they played QPR away. Obviously, QPR have changed the manager as well and they drew nil-nil in that game. But look, 
they've got quality. We know that they've lost Alex Scott, which is a bonus. But yeah, they've got quality and it's 10th against 11th. Us in 10th, them in 11th. Whoever, uh, if they win, they go above us. If we win, we uh, set the gap between us to five points, which is uh, which would be massive as well with the run that we've got coming up. Following that with, I mean, I'm just going to reel them off, Preston, Leeds, Ipswich and Hull, who are all above us, all to come in the next four following that. So look, it's going to be a really, really decent game, I feel, but we have to suffer an international break in which England play two qualifiers that don't matter because we're already qualified. Yeah, I mean, it's... Thankfully, it's kind of the mark in the season where it really... You get into the nitty-gritty of the season, don't you? I don't know when the next international break is, but I'm pretty sure it's quite a while away. So, I mean, thankfully, they're out the way now. And don't get me wrong, like I've said in the cup, I'm very honest. Until it reaches the latter stages... I'm very much a fair-weather cup fan. Until we reach major tournaments, I'm a very a fair-weather international fan as well. So, yeah, I'll happily admit to that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I would say that, you know, I look forward to watching us play Moldova or whoever the hell we're playing against in a game that absolutely doesn't matter. But I'm not looking forward to it. I want to get back into the nitty-gritty. I want to see Middlesbrough test themselves against the best teams in our league. And, yeah, um, I'm just looking forward to it, to be honest, Nathan. A hectic period, but a, a period to look forward to. And obviously, after such a big win, it's really a bit of a bummer that actually now we have to wait until we play again. Yeah, and as you said there, Chris, you said you look forward to watching us test ourselves against the best teams in this league. Well, we did that this weekend. We tested ourselves against the best team in the league, uh, the current league leaders of the Championship. And the Cape of the Riverside, having won all of the previous seven away games uh, in the league so far this season, and the Cape of Teesside, and they got dealt with and sent packing. So bring on the rest of them. What a moment to leave the podcast up for this week. Yeah, I think you've, you've had that in your head pre-planned, haven't you? But yeah, um, I, I don't think we can add anything after that. Almost a rallying cry from Nathan there. But yeah, I love it. Absolutely love it. Um, so, yeah, we will wrap up there, Nathan. Thank you ever so much uh, for the people that have watched and listened. As always, um, we'll be back after the international break for a hectic period. Um, there's no holidays planned, so don't worry. We won't be just like popping a random podcast out on a Thursday night um, with about three games involved in it. So no need to worry about that. But, yes, that has been us for this week. Massive win for Middlesbrough. Hope you've all enjoyed your weekend. And that is it for this week's episode of the Broadless Podcast. And we will see you again after the international break. Water, water, water.